Hi everybody, welcome back. I think we're at episode number five today. It's very exciting. Um, we're going to talk about public transit, how important that is for us, but also like how it's kind of shaped the way we're thinking about our futures a little bit. Graham, you with us today? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I think everyone probably wants to hear about how the magic show went. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have to update this. So. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's circle back on the magic show. So okay. I went and the first like beginning part, it was like this cool venue where they had people walking around doing magic in front of you at your table. So oh. I was that might like, actually very work. It was very intimate and I could like kind of follow what they were doing, but I definitely give the best audible reactions because it's not that hard to fool me with sleight of hand. <laughs> yeah, not allowed by anything. So that's I think definitely. a lot of these guys too were like startup magicians, like they're just getting their footing. So right. I think I gave them some confidence boost to say the least. And then the show <laughs> itself was pretty spectacular, but I was just you know I, I was kind of along for the ride. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. We're I feel like as long as you know, yeah, I guess you have to find the right balance. But if you if we can see what's happening, we're a great audience because you're gonna fool us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You gotta bring me in if you ever want to like prep for a show or performance. You, you can wow me with anything. <laughs> Specifically, magic related though. That's right. That's right. Um, you know what's a bummer? I'm doing this. Uh, I'm doing this podcast right now with one AirPod in, because the other weekend I was I was leaving a bar, and one of my AirPods fell out of my ear, and I wat I looked down, and I saw it bounce. And then it bounced again. Oh, you're and then not it fell straight into a subway grate. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you actually know where it went. I was like, oh, I thought you lost it on the ground. You couldn't find. I it. thought I, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Let me. I lied. So I, it bounced, and I was like, fuck. And then I was, turn my flashlight on, and I'm like scouring the ground, and you know, I'm pretty drunk, so it's not a great combination. And it's like very, very cold outside, so I'm trying to get this done quickly. But I cannot find the AirPod for the life of me. So I turn on, like, find my friends or whatever, and you can actually play a noise from your AirPod. So I put I put one of them away, and I start playing the AirPod noise, and I hear it coming straight from the grate. <laughs> I was like, God damn it! <laughs> so that's how I know I fell. It fell in the grate. First off, what a brilliant, brilliant move! Like I would not have thought to do that, and playing to the strengths of your senses. So yeah. now hearing the, the, the AirPod noise, pretty impressive. Yeah. But yeah, uh, real I, bummer. I, I think you learned that you don't you don't put your AirPods in when you're drunk coming out of a bar. I but I always I mean I was walking home you know I always wear my you, AirPods when I'm walking you, home. What do you listen to podcasts or uh, music when you walk home from a bar? I I listen to Blind Confidence podcast only actually on repeat. <laughs> Just on a week. <laughs> uh, no, I listen to music. Okay, that's cool. Actually, quick quick sidebar. In um so I know I remember you mentioning you don't bike, but um yeah, no in, in college so I actually do bike, or I used to bike at least. Um I haven't biked in some time now. I would never bike really in New York because that, that seems dangerous. But um in college I was I had a bike. He's Middlebury has a pretty rural rural campus and it was really convenient to go from like my freshman dorm to like the athletic center because it's like a mile walk otherwise and um but i would always wear my headphones 
on the bike down and I literally like <laughs> I would not be able to hear anything and obviously I can't see much nope. <laughs> and my friends and I was I was telling my friends and they're like dude that's that sounds like pretty dangerous <laughs> I don't know if we should be doing that yeah grab but, you're, you're, you're pretty down bad yeah Set yourself up for disaster but I, I never, didn't have any crashes. Didn't have any crashes. I don't think this the passerby knew how <laughs> how close they were to dying every time, probably. But uh, <laughs> you didn't you didn't know either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, also, so, another just random note because we should talk about it. You ever play I Spy as a kid? Or oh, to play fuck I that Spy game, dude! Fuck that game! Oh my god! Why do people always want to play that game? I know. Nothing about it is fun. And even if there was something about it that's fun, like, know your audience a little bit. I spy something red. Well, I don't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, there's, like, some other car game that people play that involves, like, seeing out of the car. That's, like, more of, like, a teenager-y game, I think. And, yeah, fuck that game also. There used to be the other thing where people would, like, I don't know, like, flip someone off or, like, make faces at someone in a different car, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd never know what was going on with any of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, you're on the school bus and people are like, yeah. oh, look at that guy. Blah. Yeah. Nope. I don't know. Back in your school bus days, you might have had a chance. That's true, actually. At, 20, but... at, 20, at 2060, 2080, you might have had a shot. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um... Yeah. Okay, you want to start Maybe talking I'm... about more transportation, but now we're going to focus the discussion yeah. on like real, real scholars that we are. Exactly. So the focus today, you know, Ethan and I want to talk about being blind in uh, public transportation because you know neither of us are legally allowed to drive. Um, so it, it, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, is a very important part of our lives being able to use trans public transportation. I think that you probably have the cheat code, which is you grew up in New York City. It's kind of yep. like trying to learn a foreign language. If you like are born in the country, it's a lot easier to speak the language, obviously. So <laughs> yeah. I think that you probably have a better grasp of New York, you definitely have a better grasp of New York City public transit than I do. I'm I like a so. pseudo a pseudo foreigner as a Long Islander trying to understand all of the ones, the twos, the A's, the C's, the J's, and so on uh -huh. and so forth. But uh, what is it like for you? Like, can you can you get around without having to think about it in your on your home turf? I mean, on my home turf, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, any subway, um, any subway stop that I've been to, like a, a a lot, then I'll know like which side of the track is uptown, downtown, um, and so usually, usually for me, right, if I'm going somewhere immediately boom plug that into apple maps or you know city mapper whoever wants to sponsor this um, apple maps? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, no. we're a google maps uh, not only is it the better product but that's product placement for me yeah um well okay so actually here's the thing i in my opinion i don't i i don't like google maps i, I can't operate it i don't know if i'm like somehow like an 85 year old stuck in a software engineer's body but <laughs> google maps is not user friendly to graham rainsby but 
the reason why I like Apple Maps is that the large print on my phone is very easily um, accommodated. So that's why I use Apple Maps. I don't know. Does Google Maps have large font? Does that work for you? Uh, I agree that the size of the font is much better on Apple Maps, but it would require me to use Apple Maps, so I don't do that. <laughs> I much, much prefer Google Maps. Like, in terms of, you know, like when you try to turn to like see what direction you're walking? I feel like it never yeah. works in Apple Maps. But I have no I, Google Maps. That's fair. That's fair. And I can't like look across the street always to see like what's across the street or figure that part out. I'm terrible with all that. Oh I yeah. Can't see that well. So I always like to use the thing <laughs> to tell the direction I'm walking. <laughs> no, that's super fair. Um, yeah. So yeah. So okay. I, I plug in the destination I'm going with Apple Maps, and then from there, it's basically if I, like for instance, the closest. Uh, Subway stop to me is like Borough Hall, and that's got the four five and the two three on it. And so you know, I I got easy accessibility to, uh, you know, east side and west side of Manhattan, um, and that 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 I know the back of my hand. I don't need to look at the signs or anything to figure anything out there. Um, usually for me, in terms of, like honestly, at this point I can crush the game no matter where I'm going. The main thing is like. The the nice thing is some of the the some of the can you read the subway signs because I can read most of them. Yeah, I can read most of them. The They're harder pretty... ones are the ones on the station outside. Oh like, yeah, down, I can't find stations. It's hard to find yeah. stations, but once I'm in the station, you can usually, um, you can you usually the read letters. the signs because they're yeah. big font and they're not very far away. There's usually one or two well placed that you can definitely read. Agreed. Um. But so, the hard part for me usually is when I get out of the subway, I guess as you were saying, figuring out, am I looking north, south, do I go, yeah, am I walking uptown or downtown right now? Um, so, yeah, so that that's for me, like, I guess the challenge when I'm in New York itself. And then also making sure, oh, sometimes what, what gets me is like, let's say for instance, I'm taking the ACE, uh, the E line actually does something different than the A and C line, even though they all run on the same line. Um, this, uh, so when the train's coming in, it says on the front of it if it's, you know, what train what it, is. it is. And sometimes, sometimes I'll miss if it's an E or an A. But uh, you can usually listen to say, to hear what the next stop is to figure it out. But that's kind of, it's a little more chancy. That that audio guy, that's like the, oh yeah, the each I like that guy. That's my that's my boy. Well, so that guy is a boy. If you're on like the two, like if you're on the two, three, or four, five, and um, I think the AC also has it. Has like the automated like this is blank stop, but some yeah. lines still somehow do not have a recording of like this. Oh, is Oh, I don't this like stop. those when the conductor's like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, no, 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 stop. And it's like, God damn it, dude. Like, I know that no one else needs to hear this, but this is really valuable information to me, like, which stop I'm at. I guess, and actually, you know, know what? Th yeah. This guy's got to be pretty bad at his job for you at your 400 words a minute to not be able to interpret <laughs> what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I would actually, you know what? Now that you say it, the hardest part for me, or the most stressful part for me occasionally is making sure... I'm getting off at the right stop. 
because I can't read the signs when I'm on the train itself. And yeah, but the thing about like, you know, if you're using a map, even on your phone, like you can usually check to see what stop you're at if you didn't hear it. Um, so that's like, especially City Mapper actually does that for you, tell you what stop you're currently at. Um, so that can be pretty clutch. But I definitely have to pay more attention, I feel like, than others to make sure I lock that in. Absolutely. And just to take a step back a little bit, kind of going off what you started with, like public transit like is requisite for both of us. Like We need it in order to be able to get places, given that cars aren't really an option. And yep. I would say for myself personally, it's definitely changed the kind of places I want to live, at least in the long term. Yes. Like, I'm a young yes. person. Like, I can make do wherever kind of I am. But am I really interested in living in a suburb one day with a wife and kids where I can't drive them to soccer practice because I can't drive? That doesn't really seem like much of an option for me unless we're in the self-driving car world. And we could talk about that later and what that might look like for us. Yeah. But, I think that, like, not only is it, like, an important skill to have and you have to be able to navigate it as someone with a visual impairment, but it's also kind of a way in which I'm viewing the priorities of my life and where I want to live and where I want to be. No, I, I could not agree more. Um, I mean, so, I'm not sure if I talked to you about this before, but one of my main um, driving factors for choosing Middlebury or a school like Middlebury was that it was in the middle of nowhere because I knew, you know, on a college campus, most people don't have a car or if they do have a car, you know, like it, your life is not changed by not being able to drive. Someone can drive you or it doesn't really even matter. Like for Middlebury, like you don't need to drive anywhere. It's nice to like go do things with your friends, but they have a car and you can hop in the car with or without being physically unable to drive. So I wanted to go to Middlebury to experience um, the, the like a rural environment without being hindered by being unable to drive and on top of that I always knew I was going to move back to a city after graduation because I can't drive so a cities are you know the most accommodating place for people who can't drive so for me that was definitely a big reason why I chose Middlebury I don't know if you had I guess you had different thoughts because you went to a school in a city my school, I'd say, was kind of a combo. So Evanston, where my school is, is kind of like a suburb, I'd call it. But no, not too many people right. have cars on my campus. A few do, but not too many. But I kind of viewed my college choices as an opportunity to be exposed to a city without having to live in one because I wanted to be able to access the city, use public transit to get down there. And I think that was like a big growth for me because as someone who grew up like in a more pure suburb that was like 45 minutes to an hour from New York City, like I took the train in to the city, but I didn't like do things on the trains in that city once I got to New York, like I was kind of new to it. But right. definitely in my time at Northwestern, like I took the L down a lot of time into the city and I took the Metra. And then also I lived in New York City for a summer and I took public transit that whole summer and I got a lot more comfortable with it. And I think that that's like a big step for me. And it gave me a lot more assurances that I could get myself around and I didn't have to rely on you know, my mom or my friends drop me off places anymore. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, how how was growing up in the suburbs like, especially when everyone started to drive? I know that's like such a big time where everyone's like, oh, we're free now, we can drive. How did that, how does, how'd that feel? How'd that go for you? 
Yeah, I think that's actually like a pretty interesting topic. And you didn't like have the same experience, right? Because in Brooklyn, not everyone really got cars. Yeah, no, definitely not everyone got cars. I definitely remember all my, like, honestly, the biggest thing for me is all my friends were doing driver's ed together. And so they'd hang out after school to like do driver's ed. Um, and I remember feeling like a little like left out about that stuff. But um, for the most part, yeah, I mean, yeah. Even to this day, some of my friends don't have a driver's license, and it's not a big deal um, at 22 to not be able to drive. To your initial question, everyone I knew got a car. I didn't know a single person that didn't drive or didn't have a car or their parents' car or something. So I'd say that was like a, a pretty significant moment. Like I, I remember when all that happened. I don't really think I, I felt sad or at least felt as like left out as I probably should have felt because I just had really, really good friends. One friend in particular, Ben, you're gonna get a shout out on the podcast here if you're listening. Um, <laughs> my friend Ben is the most unbelievable friend, like honestly, like he's a genuinely amazing person and he, he cares a lot about people. And I would say junior and senior year of high school, Ben probably averaged one and a half times a day in my driveway, whatever that means to you. like. <laughs> He yeah. probably drove me one and a half times a day doing something somewhere. And it was unbelievable. He would pick me up for school sometimes. He would drive me home from school all the time. He'd, you know, take me to go do things, go hang out with our friends, go get food, just everything. He was constantly like a resource and asset for me. And I can confidently say that single handedly, he was probably the only reason why I didn't feel sad or left out that everyone was driving. I mean, nonetheless, like driving was a major, major thing and, and, and it definitely had an effect. But I, I felt as though I was included in all the things that people were driving. I just sat in the passenger seat and I didn't really, I'm not so enamored with cars. Maybe that's because I knew I couldn't drive. I wasn't so interested in them. But yeah, like I drove in the parking lot once or twice with my dad just for just for shits and giggles. But I, I think that it was definitely my close friends that made it feel like a, a, a non-problem. And also my parents were always still willing to drive me places and I wasn't embarrassed them. I love my parents and whatever. So I was always able to get where I needed to go. But I think had I been like an adult person, as I kind of was alluding to earlier, I would have felt a lot less comfortable. Like if I was the person that needed to drive my kids somewhere, knowing yeah. I couldn't be that person, that's not the position I want to put myself in. Yeah, or even like, you know, God forbid, like when your kids get hurt, and let's say your like wife isn't around, like how do you get them to the hospital? You have to like call an ambulance for like something that's, you know, a problem but not an uh, an ambulance problem. Stuff I guess like it's that. An Uber problem, which I think is oh, a good that's transition. a good point. That's a good point. I I think that of all technological advancements <clears throat> in the twenty first century in my lifetime, the one that has <laughs> most changed my life is Uber over everything else. Interesting. The, or a Lyft. Whoever wants to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> Via, I don't care, I'm not picky. But in my opinion, those rideshare apps have totally changed the trajectory of my ability to get from point A to point B. Even like small things like who's gonna be the designated driver tonight with my friends. Like I could volunteer and call us the Uber and I felt like <laughs> I was taking my turn. Which oh, seems like nice. a small thing, but it was like a big social interaction when you're a senior in high school, right? So yeah. I, I just think that like Obviously, Uber is just commonplace now, but even in high school, like my parents, led, led, gave me an Uber account instead of giving me a car, 
and I mean, I didn't use that in the same way someone would use a car or get gas, but they were willing to pay for a few rides for me every month, and that kind of was able to bridge the gap too. They got a pretty good deal out of it, I think, because it made me feel much better about it all. But it, it kind of gave me a chance to feel as though it was equitable, and I had you know, the ability to get places and have independence in that sense. So I, I think Uber's drastically changed my life in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely a really good point. And um, I think what's interesting, or for me, like, I also had some really great friends over the years. Um, I guess namely Rufus has really helped me in some driving uh, places. But um, <clears throat> I think part of it for me is like people would do me a really big favor and drive me like kind of far places. And I just knew there was no way I could ever like pay them back, which was kind of always a bummer, you know? Like, for instance, my freshman year of college, I was dating uh, my high school girlfriend at the time. All right, yeah. And um, like, I would occasionally travel back to New York and I would need someone to drive me to either Burlington, which is a 50 minute drive, or the train station, which is like a 35 minute drive. Um, and I always felt bad because, like, I mean, the guys were super, like, a, a, there was, as I said before, my cross-country team was a great group of guys and we were really good friends. And, and there was always somebody willing to do it because Middlebury didn't really have Uber. Still doesn't, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Um, and there was a taxi service, actually. So, like, occasionally, I, you know, I had to pull the trigger. <clears throat> but sometimes people would just do, like, really big favors and drive me basically take two hours out of their day to drive me to Burlington and then just drive back by themselves, which is a crazy ask. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I've definitely felt that. I drove... Uh, see, I love saying I drove. I passengered <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the verb I like to use. Is that a verb? I don't know how grammar works, but I passengered from Boston to Chicago with two of my friends to drive back to school last year. And I just sat in the back and had some of the aux responsibilities, but um, I knew I was never going to be uh, able to pay that back, back that favor or among others, just like you're speaking to. But that's why we have good friends. We got to make up for another ways. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be a good friend in other, <laughs> other areas. Um, Do people ever <clears throat> ask you to like pay for gas or like contribute to the driving in any monetary sense? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I do an ask, and I'm like, "Please, like, you gotta let me pay for the gas." <laughs> um, you know, they're doing me a big favor like that, or in general. I feel yeah, like in general, I, if you're doing like a road trip with someone, like, you should definitely be splitting the gas. Oh, I I totally agree. I I think that it's like a big part of it. Even though we can't be the drivers, we should be we should be contributors. Yeah, hundred percent agreed. Um, I, just, I did a road trip you like two months ago with one of my friends we went from Chicago to Indianapolis to go to a Leonard Skinner concert and nice. uh, he did all the driving obviously and there's the two of us so I took a ridiculous amount of snacks from work and brought them in the car <laughs> felt like I was paying my that dues was... <laughs> that's good that's funny dude oh there was one time where I was out in my house in Long Island and my good friends, Rufus and Dino, they wanted to see me before, I think one of them was leaving or maybe they were both leaving. I'm not really sure what it was, uh, but they wanted to see me before the weekend was over. And I was like, 
Oh wait, you know what? This is kind of this is just a testament to their friendship because I definitely I think there was an LIRR. Maybe let's just say for the story, sake of the story, there was there was no LIRR train that I could take for some whatever reason because they, they drove all the way. Down. I know your pain. It's terrible. <laughs> they drove all the way from Brooklyn to pick me up, drove me back in. Uh, so like three hour round trip just to hang out. Um, it was very yeah, nice. I of love them. that. Yeah, that's amazing. But I honestly, I think the most frustrating I've ever felt being able to drive is like during a like long distance relationship. You don't have like the ability to be like, like fuck it, I'm gonna get in my car and drive to see this person. You have to like be like, okay, I'm gonna take this train to that train and then take a ferry and blah blah blah. You know. Especially during COVID times, it was tough because some people didn't want you taking public transportation, but that was the only option if you're Graham. You know what yep. I mean? So that, that definitely posed some challenges to my life. Do you're, do you're, on that point, we might have talked about it before, but directly on the friendship point, do your friends think of you as blind or have you had that conversation with them? I have not. But I'm going to say there's no way they think of me as blind. Um, I would say 95% of the time they don't think of me as blind, and the other 5% is when I make blind jokes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely make a lot of blind jokes, but I don't... I honestly don't even know... I don't know for sure, because, like, I hope I'm not offending my friends by saying this, but I don't think they even are like, oh, shoot, like, Graham's blind. We shouldn't do this thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, my friends still want me to come to sport games and stuff like them. I guess you go to sports games because you want to go. But, like, I'll sit, in the, I'll sit in the fucking back of the sporting arena. I don't care. I'll just drink some beers with my friends. <laughs> um, For sure. I, I think that my friends sometimes have awareness and sometimes don't. But yeah. I guess what I'm hinting at is, like, when they do, that makes me feel really cool. Yeah, yeah. I, it, yes, I agree. But I feel like it's almost like, I mean, I think my friends, hmm, how do, I'm not sure exactly how to put this because I do appreciate when my friends are aware of my vision and, and are very conscientious of it. Um, but I guess my point was just that we are certainly, certainly feels like we are friends first and they're not caretakers. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I don't want to frame it like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, think I you were. Yeah. I'm not really sure if I got the point I was trying to make out, but <laughs> I'm just going to say that they're for not, now, I They guess. don't need to look out for me to be my friend. I agree with that. Yeah. If that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah. But also, it feels cool like when these small moments come up, like a lot of the things we'll talk about on here, and they're aware of it without me having to say it. That is cool for me. Yeah. I mean, I've said this before, but one of my favorite things is when someone says hi to me and then they say who it is. But um, that's, like, not a close friend thing because I can tell who my close friends are when they say hi immediately. Yep. Um, all right, to bring us back on, on topic of travel here, um, how are you in the airports? you fly alone by yourself ever? How does that go for you? Yeah, I've traveled a lot on my own. I do it poorly. Um, yep. 
Also, this is just a side note. I feel like every time I go to the airport, my gate is the furthest gate from the beginning. Every time. <laughs> it takes me the longest to find it. Maybe that's part bad luck, part because it takes me a while to figure out where I have to go. But, yeah, I'm, I'm able to, to navigate the airport pretty decently. It was more of a struggle when I was studying abroad and I didn't speak the language. Then it became oh, really yeah. dicey because oftentimes I can't find things and I'm just way over not asking so i just ask you know so but when you yeah. don't speak english sometimes then it gets a lot harder for me to navigate yeah that's uh that's pretty fair um for me i so actually i have a funny story there was i can't remember what flight it was but i was taking some flight by myself pretty young like 15 14 um and my mom signed me up for like the like disability like help through the airport oh yeah 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 and they insisted that i had to sit in the wheelchair <laughs> and i was like i don't i don't need a wheelchair i just need someone to help me like find my gate and they're like no but wheelchair you sit in wheelchair and i'm like <laughs> what is going on like <laughs> you take the ride what did you take the ride i i did not take the ride but they brought a wheelchair and i walked next to it that's that's something yeah oh man i gotta tell my blind skiing story sometime too yeah oh yeah i, I like to ski but it's definitely dangerous <laughs> Wait, should I just should I just tell it? It's a really funny story. Yeah, kind tell of it. Like this. So this is the other op- another option from my college essay that I passed on. When I was like eight or nine, I was skiing at this mountain in the Berkshires called Jiminy Peak. Um, and like nice. I had skied like a number of times in my life before. Like my my family liked going skiing, and so like I had done it. But there was some program they had that they had lessons for people with visual impairments to go skiing like it was like a oh dang it was like specifically for blind people to go skiing yeah but i had like been skiing before and like i knew what i was doing but i was like eight or nine and so i had been skiing like three or four days already at the mountain and this is like my fourth day let's say and they also had night skiing at this mountain which i really liked because i had light sensitivity and it's a lot easier for me to see and navigate at night so i was a huge fan of it so this guy comes to like the, the lodge in the, the bottom of the mountain and meets my mom and I, and he was a really nice guy. And he's like, here, I'm here to give you like a one-on-one lesson for skiing. I'm like super excited about it. And, you know, hopefully work on my abilities. And he said one more, one thing before we go out and he pulls out these vests, these bright orange vests. <laughs> okay. And I had to wear a vest that said blind skier on it. And he was going to wear a vest that said, uh, ski instructor on it and I was like I'm not wearing that I've been skiing on this mountain for four days without a vest (laughs) and the guy said I'm sorry but like it's required for you to wear the vest and eight year old me convinced the guy that he would wear the blind skier vest and I would wear the instructor (laughs) vest (laughs) so for the next two hours me and this guy go out on the mountain in these bright orange vests it's pretty empty and uh, I'm I'm just skiing around in an instructor vest. <laughs> As an eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, dude. That's a great story. 
Yeah, I'm not getting in the wheelchair. Yeah, it, it's just like it's unnecessary, you know. It's it's a very strange rule to enforce. 100%. Um, but um, <laughs> dude, I I have another hilarious story about taking again. So I don't. How, how do you? I so here's the thing. Here's here's an embarrassing thing about me is I I am not good at asking for directions still, even though I should be. Just bite the bullet. It's worth it every time. I do it sometimes, but I think I I'm gonna say this, and I don't know if it's true, but I'm gonna say this is the reason why. I don't. I grew up in New York City. I hate the thought of someone thinking I'm a tourist or don't know what I'm doing. And because of that, I don't want to ask how to get somewhere, even though I need the help. <laughs> Very poor logic. I, I always dread when people ask me for directions. Like, no. Oh, yeah. Just like when they ask me to take a photo. <laughs> it's the same thought. Like, oh, dude. Just, when someone has to take a photo. <laughs> I just I I point to one of my friends and make them do it, and they already know at this point because this happened so many times. <laughs> um. Oh, okay. Another sidebar here. Oh wait, oh, wait, go back. Yeah. In the magic show, they asked me to help them. Oh no. So the first thing they asked me to help them with was like put my hands out like as a table for the cards, which you know I could I could be a table. Easy money. Um, however, at one point they asked. They, they held a book up to me and they asked me to read a word and I just pointed at my friend and he knew what to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that's that's so tough. Dude. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, it's like you chose the only person in the audience who cannot read books. That's right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Although afterwards, so the the sh- what the show we went to was like my roommate's friend, and right. he told the story afterwards to me and my roommate about how he had a show once where he called someone on stage and asked him to read. This is a separate part of his act. And yeah. the person was illiterate. Oh. And then he called someone else up, and that person was also illiterate. I mean, when it rains, it pours, you know? Yeah, I think it was illiterate <laughs> night at the Magic <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> um... We did great. This is a great rabbit hole we had here. Yes, we we have gone down a great spot. Um, so the story I was going to tell is like kind of related. Um, so I actually wow, this is going to make me sound like really bougie, but um, so my sophomore year of high school, my class, my sophomore class, did a trip to Spain <laughs> for for two weeks or a week. Something like that. Did they give you guys a stack of a hundred dollar bills when you walk when you <laughs> No. Um but which you know, that's crazy in and of itself. And like every day well, not every day, but like they were doing something and one of the teachers was like our group leader and they're like, Okay, like Graham, you're in charge of directions today. Like you have to find where we're going. Oh, and I was like I was like, has this guy not been briefed? <laughs> so I'm like, uh, yeah, that's going to be a no for me, dog. Like, just choose anybody else. I can't do that. And he's like, and I think I said something like, I can't read this map or something. And he was like, what, did you not bring your glasses today? 
And I was like, oh my God, this, this teacher is really fumbling the bag here. And then like all of my classmates knew that I could not see well. So they're like jumping to my defense, like, whoa, whoa, no, like he can't see, dude. Like, and, the, and I, I don't know, this teacher was, was determined to make me be the map person. And I was like, I had to pull him aside and be like, all right, listen, dog, like, I have star wars disease. I have this form of juvenile macular degeneration. I cannot see well. You have to choose somebody else because we will be lost forever if I'm the map guy. <laughs> yeah, he put himself in a body bag right there. He really did. He just kept doubling down. It was shocking. It was shocking stuff. Sometimes you got to cut your losses. I know. But um, I think he thought I was being like an, an annoying teenager and being like, oh, I can't do that. Choose somebody else. But I was... Yeah, you were being an annoying teenager who also couldn't see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. I hope this part stays. <laughs>